Hello, and welcome to StacePod, the Transformers animated podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. Total Ownage! I'm David. And yes, today we are on the, uh, we are on the 13th episode of Transformers Animated, Headmaster. Uh, first aired Yay. March 15th, 2008, uh, written by Michael Ryan, who previously wrote Home is Where the Spark Is, and will write several more episodes. And for, for those who are not familiar with the origin of Headmasters, they were originally toys from G1 where you took the head off and it turned into a little guy. See also the entire current Titans return line. That's right. Because it's probably easier to design a toy if you don't have to figure out where its head goes in vehicle mode. Seriously, they, they have much better proportioned heads than your average Transformer. Yes. Although my the only objection is that they are all kind of the same shape because they are all a little folded up guy. Yeah, it's true. Uh, uniformity is good, generally. I guess. The little folded up guy. doing better with it this time around. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And bigger guys have helmets, so they don't look like uh, hilarious pinheads. Mm. <laughs> I mean, Scorponok had, like, the original Scorponok had a helmet. And he still kind of looked like, I mean, he had a tiny face. Yeah, he had that tiny face. Looked very silly. <laughs> It, it's working to varying degrees now. The Voyagers don't all work. No, the the Galvatron is not great, but I think um, the Sentinel Prime and uh, or Alpha Trion look better with their head accoutrements. It just gives a gives them a wider head, which yes. kind of works. It, it works well enough. I mean, they're not so big that their head would look ridiculously out of portion. Hmm. Yes. Sumdak Systems uh, facility, where Isaac Sumdak is uh, talking to uh, one of his employees, uh, Henry Masterson. Dude! <laughs> because we are back to the, the DC Comics school of civilian names. No, it, yes. it really felt like, like, is Hank Masterson a Marvel character? It, it seems so familiar. Hank Masterson. I believe there was a Hank, but... I mean, there are a bunch of Hanks. Well, isn't like Hank a nickname for Henry anyway? Oh, you're thinking of maybe Eric Masterson. He was Thunderstrike. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking of Thor someone who had a ponytail. Oh, right. Someone yeah, else. With, I was thinking. I was thinking actually of of Thunder Punch of the Neo Knights. Oh. <laughs> but and, uh, I uh, he's no, he was by... Lee Gruber, so he was completely different name. And uh, he's voiced by Alexander Polinsky. Uh, he's done a bunch of other voice stuff. He was a control freak on Teen Titans, who I think was kind of a similar character. Yeah. Basically the same character? Very much. 
Uh, he was Chameleon Boy and my favorite, uh, Matter Eater Lad on Legion of Superheroes. Yay! That show is so good and so underrated. And apparently he was on like a hundred episodes of Charles in Charge. <laughs> was really? he Charles? He was, no, because that was, uh, wasn't that Scott Bayo? Yeah. You know, I think I remember, because I think, like, at some point I was following him on Twitter because he just seems to be one of those people who follows a bunch of people, and I was like, okay. And, but then he was like, also one of those people who just tweets way too much, and <laughs> unless you're like their best friend, you really don't want to read that much tweeting from them. Now he's not uh, a, oh, sorry, I'll go ahead. But yeah, that sounds, yeah. I, I recall hearing that now. Now, he's not like a crazy conservative like Scott Bayo or Charles in Charge co-star Willie Ames, a.k.a. Bible Man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> not, as, uh, not as far as I recall. Okay, then. I don't think that was why I stopped following him like, like some people I have stopped following. Now, apparently he looks like he was like the little brother or something of Nicole Eggert. On that show? Sure, for you people that watch that show. I saw a couple episodes when I was younger. I can only vaguely remember the premise. I'm not entirely sure. You know what I watched when I was younger? Small wonder. Well, this one definitely didn't have any robots in it. No. Were we just talking about small wonder? Yes, that's why yeah. I, yeah, I felt it was yeah, worth mentioning. Uh, right. One of the writers was... Oh, right, writer, yes. Yeah. He's like the show or like the like the head writer of uh, Small Wonder. That's something you leave off the resume. Although I think much like Small Wonder, Charles in Charge was one of those like direct to syndication shows, which I don't think exist anymore, at least as sitcoms. Yeah, I think those are pretty much entirely. Yes, (laughs) I I think that niche got taken over by uh, Sam Raimi stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and then kind of disappeared, as basically any show that would have gone into that just ended up on the CW. Yes. <laughs> I was about to say you were being far too cruel to Jack of All Trades, and then I realized you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will note that from what I've heard about the books, I'm I'm much happier that the only exposure to Legend of the Seeker I have is through the Sam Raimi TV show. Because I would I, hate I like to deal books. with. I, I I couldn't stand something that actually took all that seriously. Kind of. It got weirder as it went along, and, and it became very weird once I realized, oh, the writer really likes Anne Rand. Fuck. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't really show up that much in the books that's noticeable, other than the fact that it's about magic, and well, I guess you could imply that, but not many people have. It, it's weird. Do all the magicians go off and live in their own community, aside from all the leeches of the world? No, there's only one left. Well, and then two. Also, also so it's, it's like Gandalf's Gulch. Also, spoilers: <laughs> the main character who started out as some nobody farm boy ends up being the son of the main villain. Yeah, it's cliche, but it's reasonably well written. Wow, uh, that, that, that must have been shocking. I've I've never heard that one before. 
And and I just realized <laughs> that the ending of it basically is building your own entire world away from the normies who don't want to have anything to do with magic. Oh my fucking god, I hate the last book now. Well, he's written more since, but I haven't read it anymore. He was definitely one of the writers who was why I was a huge pro-sci-fi, anti-fantasy snob as a teenager. <laughs> because in the early 90s, fantasy was pretty bad. It was stuff like that. <laughs> so anyway. Anyway, Henry Stanley. Masterson, he is uh, what we called at the time a lead hacksaw. Yes. Yep. Boy, I... I am nostalgic for the time when these guys were funny instead of racist. Yeah. yeah. Back I mean, then when it was merely comical. I, I appreciate his purple emo hair, though. The purple hair is great. The fact that whoever drew this episode was not aware of the concept of line weight, less so. Yeah, the animation in this episode is a little weird. Yeah, especially at the very beginning, I noticed it, and, and admittedly, I don't tend to notice animation unless it's striking in one way or another, but I did notice at the very beginning, it was not great. No, it, there's a lot of characters not moving out of poses, and then when they are, it's all really weirdly stiltedly drawn with, like I was saying before, Zero variation in line weight. It's like they didn't know they could adjust the size of the pen tool by using the bracket keys. <laughs> so yeah, he he is a Sumdax Systems employee. He is he you know he grew up working with Sumdax robots, and he is at these testing grounds to uh, present Sumdax with his new invention, the Headmaster. And uh, it is uh, it is a big head. <laughs> oh, big purple head. And I with big a, a big purple head that with Galactus horns. Yeah, yeah I, I it's a very curvy looking head. I love Derek that White he said has... this was. Oh, oh go ahead. Uh, Derek White said this was based on some of the uh, Japanese exclusive. Uh, Headmaster Warriors, which were just the, the heads that were sold on their own and are now super expensive. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, okay. I, I don't think it was Kirk. I think it was one of the other ones. No, Kirk, maybe... Oh, one of them named Alan. They had some weird names. <laughs> yeah. No, they all have weird names. Was it one of those or was it one of the Micromasters? Because there was that point with all those Micromasters that just got... When they got to the MicroMaster combiners, where they just had ridiculous names. Like, oh yes, you're right. Like Alan is one of the uh, it's one of the train guys. So he is not a part of the same team as mixing. Yeah, it does look like it does kind of look like a Galactus head, though. Although and although it doesn't, the face doesn't move. It has a perpetual little smirk on it, which I kind of appreciate. I love that Henry Masterson has a hat that he puts on before getting in the machine that makes him look exactly like the giant head that he is wearing. <laughs> yes. I also love that the jets on the head fold in, and then it deploys screws that screw into whatever robot it's taking control of. Yes. So yeah, he, he yes, gets as in this he's thing, giving they... the demonstrations. Oh, oh, yeah, and he, he's kind of got like a like a supervillain costume already under his lab coat. 
Yeah, which is yeah. a weird giveaway. With a big I mean, H on Well, I suppose it's supposed to be like, I don't know, a flight suit or something. Uh, yeah. It's his plug suit. It's his plug suit. Hopefully not quite as tight. Get in the headmaster, Shinji. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite as tight, nor as underage. I I, I mean, I don't know. I'd I'd feel better knowing this guy was under 18. I mean, maybe he would grow up to be less of a shithead. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Oh, thank God Reddit wasn't around at the time. Gets in this thing. They unleash like a like a kind of cool looking robot drone with a big rocket on it. Kind of, yeah. It it looks like a really simplified hard head design. That's a little hard heady. Or it kind of looks like those uh, Sentinel robots that Shockwave used in the uh, G1 cartoon. The mm-hmm. the head especially. It's kind of the dome with the one yeah. eye on it. Oh, and uh, as uh, David has discovered the. Headmaster question was loafer. <laughs> Yay, oh, loafer. Or perhaps I should say, upon further inspection, uh, these are loafers. Does uh, does he hang out with Panhandler? <laughs> loafer, you're the laziest robot on Spatron. <laughs> but a penny fits inside him. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it turns out the whole function of this robot is that once your combat robot runs out of ammo, this head rockets off, lasers off the head of another robot, uh, discards it like the uh, like the top of a, a pop bottle, and plunks itself back down into place, seizing control of the robot body. So as he's doing this demo, he he uses the word, the term warbot, and some deck is very concerned about that. Uh, for, yes, you know. Very concerned that he keeps saying that. Stop saying that word. He's like. Then yes, he, he uses it again and he's like, yes, continues being upset because yeah. he doesn't. <sighs> now I'm, now I'm gonna be depressed because that just reminds me of how we can never have the three laws of robotics because so much of robot development is for the purposes of killing people. Yeah, um, Sundak is he's real Tony Stark in the sense that he does not make weapons and in basically no other sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, yeah. but yes, he's very upset at the idea that he is designing these as weapons. I'm never going to get my and Marilyn Mon robot, am I? <laughs> Don't date robots. <laughs> it was Earth. <laughs> anyway, unfortunately, this uh, this robot head is very large, and this drone is not that big. So it actually collapses under the weight of its gigantic head and fires off its giant back-mounted missile uh, towards Detroit. Oops. Uh, it'll be fine. No one will notice. And uh, I'll also note here that the headmaster is kind of similar to the headmasters in Rebirth, in that they're, the guy piloting the head is kind of in a comfy little desk inside, as opposed to uh, hideously contorted into a head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, he's got a little cockpit instead of, you know, 
Yes, being hideously contorted. Instead of having his feet in his face after his knees bent backwards. We, <laughs> so painful. Which, I guess this is time for the Gurren Lagann talk. Or at least the, the hand-waving it away, because, yeah, that's Gurren Lagann. A bunch of robots that look like heads with arms and legs sticking out of them. Kind of like Modok. And the heroes combine a littler head to a bigger head, and it becomes a normal proportioned robot with a head on top that just has a face on his chest. And you're piloting it inside the head, so... Yeah, it's a lot like this, but it was airing at the same time in Japan, so... Maybe there was... Synergy! There was like a third thing that was somehow influencing head-based robot development. Well, yeah, yeah, you can go back to Headmasters and... Like, like... uh, I remember seeing even years before that designs that were like taking, like, a Gundam head and sticking the Gundam arms and legs on it. On, like, image boards and things. Sort of of like a MODOK. Yeah, like, and I think that might have been a reference to, like, oh, um, shoot, I forget what it was called, but there was, like, there was a robot series that had, they had toys that, like, shot, um, BBs or something that were, that essentially looked like a head with arms and legs. That sounds vaguely familiar. It's a design thing that you would eventually end up at. It's a head with arms and legs, and it's like. Yeah, that, that's it's foreseeable. Plus, this one's more its old headmaster. It just happens to operate like Gurren Lagann by plugging one head onto somebody else's robot and taking control of it. Yeah. And it so, does do the decapitation first. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so... Uh, He's a flying guillotine. Yeah. Sumdak is uh, not pleased about this. Because apparently this is like a recurring thing where his employees want to make military robots, and he doesn't do that. And giant killer cockroaches. Yeah, that sounds about right. And, I mean, he makes those Ed 209s for police, but I don't know if those actually have weapons on them. Maybe they're only equipped with tasers. Or like rubber bullets or something. Yeah. So they're, they're not going to, uh, you not know, pulp a, pulp a guy, like, in... Uh, no. In Robocop. So, yeah, he is fired, and uh, meanwhile, in Detroit, Bulkhead is being interviewed by another robot. New and that bot. missile is also fired. Yes. Yes. Yeah. A roving robot reporter. Yes. Bulkhead rips off his microphone arm. A roving He's robot doing reporter. doing that, uh, some of that gotcha journalism there, where he, because he, Bulkhead thought that they were going to ask him have them like talk about how he's not actually that destructive and they just talk about how he is super destructive. Yes. And I just want to talk about this uh newsbot design which I love. It is a great design. <laughs> he's got one he's got a fedora with like one of those press uh cards in the brim. He's got an old timey microphone for a hand. He's got an old yes. camera for another hand. Yes. Got a couple little T-Rex arms on the front that uh, copy things down on a notepad, which you wouldn't think he'd need being a robot. <laughs> yeah, it's like his design like reminds me of many things, but is not any one specific. Like, it's kind of like a random background robot from Star Wars, as drawn to fit into Futurama. Yeah, he's he, there's a definite Futurama vibe from him. Yeah, especially since he's about to be the the uh, victim of hilarious violence. 
We also get a five-second shot of the other robots in just complete static poses driving. Yeah, that was... Because they, they radio in to say, yeah, there's a missile coming towards, like, you, maybe do something, Bulkhead. <laughs> yeah, that... I wasn't trying to focus on the bad art, but that that was, like, the worst part. Because, like, it starts out as a really close-up zoom on Prime, and you can see the thickness of the lines, and then it just pans out, and it's like, oh, they're not moving. <laughs> Best animation of the episode is here with Bulkhead... Oh, his facial expression. ...stopping the missile. Oh. Like, Bulkhead stops the missile and destroys about as much as the missile would have destroyed, if not more. Oh, including yeah. Newsbot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Accidentally, but yeah, he he does kind of commit robocide right in front of little Daniel. Oh, <laughs> yes, it's time for more little Daniel. Here. And this is for and this is after Bulkhead accidentally tore off his microphone arm. <laughs> yes. So little Daniel is even more traumatized. And especially since he has a sort of vaguely skull-like head to start out with. So it just ends up plonked out, you know, plonked next to him with his robot eyeballs popping out. And then and our then, Daniel, presumably Witwicky, is just bawling so much that we can see his teeth are just two giant horseshoes. Yes. And he has to be, con- and he has to be comforted by a woman who I'm pretty sure is not his mother. Yeah. That, I'm, I that's don't definitely not that's the mom we saw for him in previous episodes. Well, no, I mean, the mom we saw for him in previous episodes is just Carly from uh, Season 3 of G1. This is just some lady. Yeah. He's been abducted. Oh, no. Maybe that's just like his oh. daycare. Maybe. Who knows? And I mean, he probably spends a lot of time crying because he's the only one who wears one of those hilarious future uh, outfits. Aw, I mean, his parents <laughs> do. This is true. Neither in like a cult. He's also very uh, at risk of getting into a rat hole. Kind of a ganguro thing going on. Can I join well, that? She, yeah, she's very tan with very blonde hair. Yeah, it, it, it's weird. I, mean, I want to join the cult where you wear those jumpsuits. No, probably not. I want to wear the jumpsuits. I mean, the damage Bulkhead inflicts is just oh, so much damage and. Such a little time ripping up buildings, destroying all the cars. And Seth. Less damage than the missile would have caused, but still. It's like the end of Man it. of Steel. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, it is. Should have ended this episode by breaking the headmaster's neck. Yeah. I mean, no, he he's good in pre, in later episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but then they'll, then they'll, then in the uh, sequel, Bulkhead uh, v. Bumblebee. Uh, Dawn of Justice, they will clone Headmaster uh, to make uh, the Robot Master. Uh, eh, I'm still not comfortable with uh, Prometheus Black's jar of piss. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he probably pees ass too. Uh, uh. Would he intake liquids normally? I mean... And he's got to get energy from somewhere. And he just, like, drinks vinegar. Yeah. Vinegar and lemon juice. And probably Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That, I mean, it's kind of the color Mountain Dew. 
Yeah. I'm just imagining him experimenting and then finding out the optimal mix of in- liquid intake is Duessa. <laughs> <laughs> God. I'm embarrassed to say I'm drinking pitch black right now. <laughs> Aww. Anyway, so we're back at Autobot headquarters. Bulkhead is uh, depressed because he's just now realizing that he is a doomsday machine. <laughs> and so Sari convinced him that maybe he should try some art therapy after she explains to him uh, what art is. <laughs> yes. That it is not a who, for instance. Uh, specifically, it is uh, the Mona Lisa, uh, Starry Night, and Whistler's mother. Although that oh, comes what, what? after he demonstrates the ability to act as a old ribbon-style printer. Yes, complete with sound effects. Oh, yes, so good. Not Matrix oh, the... sounds. That was hilarious. And and the the Bende dots is that what they're called? Yes. Oh, that was nice. Yeah, then it cuts into art history montage with the uh, tutor bot. Hey, yeah. and really good music. There, there's a lot of good little incidental music that I don't remember in previous yeah. episodes. In this, no, I, li- I like the montage. He, so yeah, he, he's that. He uh, he does some graffiti, which uh, earns the ire of uh, Captain Fanzone, who's just driving by. Fanzone hates graffiti. <laughs> Well, you know, what's he going to paint? Really trying to grab paintbrushes is great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, starting with little paintbrushes, then then a bigger paintbrush, and and still not big enough. And he has Bumblebee pose for him in a uh, reference to Airplane. Yes. Yeah, what? So when when Tom Stryker's in the mental hospital, and he's, like, painting, and he has a guy in that exact same pose. Oh, okay, so it, it actually makes some sense, but... Like, it's the thumb joke from Airplane 2. That's a weird... I mean, I think that's from, like... That joke is ancient. I'm sure I saw that in, like, a Bugs Bunny cartoon, but it may very well be According, in Airplane 2. And I, I actually made a note to check TF Wiki because I knew that they would uh, have that noted, and it says that uh, it is from Airplane. Though it it does also say that the painting his own thumb thing is very old and has been in many things. It's from Looney Tunes to Mash. But the pose is definitely from Airplane. It's a good gag. Sadly, no. Unfortunately, they can't deepen the uh, Airplane references because uh, Ultra Magnus is not in this episode. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) alas! It's a good thing Ultra Magnus doesn't know how much you hate his guts. And yeah, Bulkhead accidentally melts a, what I think is a TV with a blowtorch, breaks a bunch of paintbrushes because he's huge. But despite all this, um, Sari does manage to get him a gig at an art gallery. Well, okay, okay, I was about to ask how, and it's like, no, she's the daughter of the richest man in town, of course. Well, no, I mean, I think, you know, these are like, you know, remember, the Autobots are like celebrities. And you'd go to an art gallery and say, okay, so... We've got, like, this giant alien robot who's going to make art for your gallery. Do you want to put this in? It's like when, yeah, you know, yeah. you have a chimp or an elephant or something that paints. I mean, yeah, none of this <laughs> seems that implausible. Just the only thing that stands out to me is that in the background, all of Bulkhead's previous art experiments appear to be the logo for the 2012 London Olympics. <laughs> I was thinking it was a color-shifted uh, version of that pattern that used to be on Dixie Cups the, with the teal and the purple. 
Uh, yeah, only it's yeah. green and brown. Uh, but Bulkhead is has, has a little performance anxiety and uh, just runs Looney Tune style through the wall. He's learning what it is to be a real artist. Yeah. It's time to to show your stuff to the world, and you're like, oh, my God. This, he's having imposter syndrome. I mean, this is this is <laughs> yes. perfect imposter syndrome. He's like, no, all of my stuff is terrible. And, and yeah, he runs through through the wall and breaks and the he, wall. And he's going to have an actual imposter problem later in the show. <laughs> yes. yes. I'm reminded of a print I've been tempted to buy called – the creative process, which is a diagram that is just work begins, yellow bar that is 90% fuck off, followed by a orange bar that is like 9% panic, followed by a red bar that is 1% that is do all the work while crying, followed by a black yes. bar that is deadline. <laughs> it me. So we we cut back to Masterson, who is in his in his uh, crazy person lair, getting a little uh, Jim Carrey in Batman Forever vibe from him here. Yeah, because he has uh, used Headmaster units to make a couple of warbots into Rock'em Sock'em robots. One has his face on it. One has Sumdax's face on it, and he knocks Sumdax's block off. A Rock'em Sock'em Robot? Is that Hasbro? Yes, it is. Okay. It is now. I guess this is the <laughs> second time we've asked that because those did that gag on Beast Wars. Yeah, and I I don't know if they had it in Beast Wars, but, like, they, they made for, well, they didn't quite look like movie designs, but they had, like, Optimus, Bumblebee, and Barricade. And oh, right, those Megatron, were uh, Rumble Robots or something? Yes. It, it was originally Mark's Toys. And has since been done by other companies. Okay. Alright, so he, uh, so Masterson is not content to just brood and, uh, I don't know, get the lulls on social media, which kind of didn't exist as much back then. <laughs> uh, he's going to create his he own company. probably just been, uh, been getting the lulls on Xbox Live. Yes. So he is going to, uh, he's going to make his own company, but he needs money. And he also needs a body that will actually support his giant-headed headmaster. And then he sees Bulkhead on TV. Like, poor well, Bulkhead's kicking the can down the street, which is an actual full-size trash can. Yes. Aww. Yay, skill Breaks it. Thankfully not a trash bot. So, yeah, he, he breaks a lamp next to an interestingly designed car. Yeah, it's like a weird future car. Well, it, it's like a weird future version of, like, a Mustang or, or some yeah, 70s I mean, car. I guess, I mean, clearly we see that by everybody's outfits that the, uh, that the 70s are, are back. back in a big way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know, the front end just reminded me, it was, it felt familiar enough that this was probably a Transformer, but I can't remember who I mean, it was. The front end's practically but... a shark mouth. Yeah. Well, kind of like a Thunderbird then. Oh. Anyway, so... Bulkhead gets tased. His, he gets tasered in the face! Well, tasered in the yeah. sigil. <laughs> well, he gets tasered in the face of the it's Autobot the symbol. Face. Kind of. Yes. Yeah. And uh, before anything fades to white, he hears total ownage. <laughs> there we go. I'm, uh, I, I want to say at the time... 
that I think by then it had already uh on on actual like internet culture I think by then it had it had actually mutated to ponage but maybe I'm wrong I think oh, yeah. probably yeah I always figured it was still said ownage though it's just spelled with a p because typos because people were annoyed by it and then started filtering out the proper spelling <laughs> <laughs> Bulkhead wakes, and he's missing something, uh, by which I mean his entire body. He is just a head. Enjoy the body horror, kids. Yeah. This is where the episode gets super weird. (laughs) Like. It's such, such a body horror thing that is just treated offhand. I mean, it goes, I mean, it's played for gags, for laughs. And I, it is I very like, silly. Yeah. I would like to note that it was significantly less horrifying than it was uh when it was done in More Than Meets the Eye with Ratchet. Yes. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't have a spark dangling down from his head. And there's no tr- there's no robot blood here. This is a very <laughs> clean cut. Yes. Yes. There's that and that's the weird thing is it's like apparently the the connection there is just Solid gray. It's not even a thing. I mean, he, he just looks like one of those heads in jars from, again, Futurama. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there are no, there's no circuitry hanging out or even, like, cut or showing at all. Like there's a way bottom onto it. its head. I, I yes. think that makes it funnier. Yeah. <laughs> it does, yeah. Like, this is a very silly episode, and I think too much, ex- I mean, and apparently Hasbro had the same concern that they, you know, heard the premise of this episode and thought that it would be too frightening, but uh, Derek Wyatt convinced them that it would just be very silly. <laughs> well, that's good. Also, entirely incidentally very silly is the fact that Bumblebee has apparently turned into Bruce Campbell. His chin is giant for the rest of this episode. Yes. He's a... Yeah. Uh, Oh. He's doing his best Sentinel Prime impression. <laughs> Maybe he is. Anyway, so they get Bulkhead's head back headquarters. <laughs> and they, they say, you know, the police are looking for your, you know, stolen body. And uh, we're leaving you with Bumblebee. Yeah, and Bumblebee is just absolutely insufferable about it. I mean, he literally uses his head as a bowling ball. <laughs> it didn't seem deliberate. He did make a lot of head puns, but it, it's Bumblebee, so it could have been worse. I guess. I mean, eventually, Bumblebee decides, you know, because Bulkhead is clearly kind of upset being just a head, and uh, agrees to act as his hands to make some uh, some art for that art show. And so they make a kind of terrifying sculpture that Bulkhead then there that Bumblebee then accidentally sets on fire. Good job. Kind of like a, Thanks. Li- like a light bulb for a head and a, a big yep. bird cage for a torso. It, it kind of feels like a Doctor Who monster. It is kind of very Doctor It, it kind of feels like a cross between Crow and Tom Servo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the cage head reminds me of the thing that Crow has on the back of his head. Which is, what is like a hockey mask? I think face so. And then, and then the light bulb head is, of course, very reminiscent of, uh, of Servo. Just been watching too much MST3K. 
Well, there's no such thing as that. I'll yeah. And speaking of, uh, if you're wondering how he eats or breathes or other science facts, uh, Bulkhead is, despite being a disembodied head very far away from his body, still alive. <laughs> yes. And wearing a hat. Yes. Bumblebee puts a hat on him. <laughs> yeah, so he can be one with his art. So I guess, is his spark in his head? That's the only reasonable conclusion I can draw. Although, I mean, uh, later got decapitated a lot of the time. Did we ever see where his spark was? Uh, I guess not. And in that, it had been established. I mean, I presume they, they have sparks here, but... And that they absolutely had been established. I'm sure they mentioned them at some point later. Yeah, they've at least mentioned the spark of life with the Dinobots. But, like, well, decapitation happened to quite a few people in Beast Wars. Like, uh, Inferno, Pterosaur, Megatron maybe even once? Or maybe he was, was just I hanging on by I think at least maybe was hanging on by wires in the episode with the flying Energon Mountain. Yeah. So it, it's not new th- it, that head mean destruction of head means death is kind of a newer thing. Well, it's not destruction of the head because the head's still there. Maybe it's all removal. As long as the spark is still alive in the body, there's some sort of like quantum tether. I mean, oh god, we're getting so far into the weeds here. But now I'm thinking of <laughs> both Emperada and give me your face as being slightly less <laughs> horrifying than the humans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but it is horrifying in the movies, though. Cause... Yes. I mean, they they have so many, like, bits and fluids in them. Uh... I mean, if, if you know, if uh, Bulkhead's head had been removed Michael Bay style, he'd have, like, his spine and a bunch of robot goo hanging off it. Ah, uh, I had managed to forget about Ravage oh, being, having his boring. spine ripped out, but thanks, now oh. I remember it. Uh, bad kitty. Traumatic. Poor uh, well, kitty. <laughs> I mean, how else are you going to get a spine out of your cat? Uh, anyway, Bulkhead has his phantom limb syndrome, and and yeah. So eventually, uh, Bumblebee puts his head on uh, Tutorbot's body, which sucks for you, Tutorbot. Yeah. <laughs> Is it specifically? It's a Tudorbot style body, but did they just rip Tudorbot's head There is a shot where Tudorbot's head is sitting on the ground next to him. And it's oh, like, oh, and there's like static on the screen. Guess I missed that one. So mean to Tudorbot. Oh my god. And yeah, they, they He's not alive. I guess Umdak has told them, you know, this kinda sounds like this might be kinda my fault. And so they, they go to Masterson's lab and they find uh, traces of transformer energy. Hey, don't victim blame here, man. Yourself, in this case. Don't victim blame yourself, man. It's not your fault. You're the victim here, someday. I mean, maybe he should have given them a warning, given that, you know, I have an employee whose whole thing is cutting the heads off robots, but he needs a bigger robot to put this giant head on, and hey, maybe that's some of you guys. Okay, I guess there's that aspect. I was thinking of it being his fault for, you know, firing Masterson. No, no. Very... It, it, I'm just saying that uh, Sumdak should have given them a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. 
things. Anyway, so yeah, it, his, he's getting all sorts of phantom body syndrome. And it turns out that uh, Bulkhead's body, with the headmaster atop it, has busted into the Detroit Solar Fusion Power Plant. Solar Fusion? 2050 Solar Fusion. Detroit is powered by a miniature sun. Yes. Oh. oh. And according to the Allspark Almanac, this is the Sydney Biggles Jones Memorial Solar Fusion Power Plant. Of course it is. Oh, Named for the yeah. uh, scientist from the Transformers Generation 2 G.I. Joe crossover, who is one of those scientists who wears, like, a spandex tights uh, under a lab coat while doing yes, science. Yes, like a, a spandex yes, just, like, stuff. I, I presume it was supposed to be just, like, a stock Cobra bodysuit. Yeah, the basic cat suit and lab coat. That, that's that's normal mad sciencing, but uh, I, I'm guessing this was named in the Almanac. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah. Which, the Almanac did a lot of things, too many things, but uh, I kind of like this one. Yeah, I don't hate that. That's because Biggles Jones is a funny name. That too. <laughs> I think if it gets that character more exposure, I'm okay with. Yes. yes. Thank you, also, Larry Hama. We also get an escape from New York grade CGI turnaround of the greater Detroit area. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And we all, this is all reported by the news bot who has, who's in, who has his broken arm in a sling, which is hilarious. <laughs> Why would he need a sling? He's a robot. He's not gonna heal. It doesn't Robots take time in to slings heal. are totally a thing in Transformers. It definitely happened with Wastenator once. I think it was his, one of his bug arms in a sling. Okay, fine. But like, the, 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 this reporter bot was, was decapitated and had a car crush his torso. I mean, he had spare parts for those, but he didn't have a new arm. It was a special arm. There's only one like it. So, uh, so I feel like there's a very important thing that that maybe Headmaster isn't entirely thinking of here. So, he so he, uh, I think we, we need to exp- explain his plan. Okay, sorry. So yeah, he uh, he's demanding a ransom of seven hundred billion dollars. Uh, to be delivered personally by, by Isaac Sumdak, or he will overload the plant and destroy the entire state of Michigan, both the Mitten and the Upper Peninsula. Oh man, that's... <laughs> I would think that he would be more likely to destroy, like, Ohio from there than, you know, market. It's a very precise explosion. It's just going to, like, stop at the Ambassador Bridge. Windsor will be oh. fine. Okay. <laughs> but... Okay, so so what I was going to say is that this seems like a, a very poor plan because he wants he he's asking for this ransom money so he can start a business, presumably as some yeah. sort of military mm. contractor. And who is going to do business with a company that was started on hostage, on like ransom money? Yeah. Oh, I, I think you're far too kind to the American military-industrial complex. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's I mean, fair. Even, I, you would think it would be easier just, I don't know, use Bulkhead's body to rob a bunch of banks? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he does want revenge against some deck specifically for firing him. This is true. Plus, I guess you're not going to rob $700 billion from a bank. They don't keep that much cash on hand. It's all digital these days. That's, that's a lot of seed capital. Yeah, that that's maybe at that point it's not as much. Well, that's true. We got like fifty years of inflation. 
Although it also makes him a complete idiot when Optimus drives up with a G1 ass trailer and he's like, yes, this clearly contains <laughs> what I'm asking for, even though physically, no, it can't. Maybe they now make like billion dollar bills and it's just like all in a briefcase. Maybe. Maybe. It'd have to be. It's but got, I, uh, it's got uh, Taft on it. I do appreciate his G1 ass trailer. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how that works with him being a fire truck and all, but okay, sure. Ha ha, ass trailer. It's, <laughs> I don't know, it, <laughs> well, it's more like he's a cargo van kind of thingy. Cause it's shorter than usual. We got to see the mayor again, that was nice. Yes, Mayor, uh, Mayor Edsel. Yes. Never speaks. And, uh, and Fanzone's there too, and Sari is there for a re- for some reason. Oh yeah, Fanzone gets his seventh and that's why I hate machines. While he's riding in Bumblebee and changing the radio and Bumblebee changes it back. Yes. Again, with a good song. They disagree on their taste in music even though, based on the actual music they play, I'm not sure why. Yeah, I, I would think that some deck would be listening to, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing the Tigers game on the radio maybe. Yeah, fan zones, it should be more of a sports fan. I mean, re- realistically, it should either be sports versus music, or it should be like Kiss versus Eminem. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, judging by fan zone, he's definitely listening to Detroit's oldie station, WOMC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas Bumblebee Search like- is more of a top 40 kind of guy. I was going to say, didn't that have, like, some really iconic DJ at some point? Uh, you may be thinking of, oh, uh, it had uh, Dick Purton. Maybe, maybe. Or you may be thinking of WRIF, which had uh, Big Daddy Arthur P. Maybe that was it. Maybe that that's was the it. That's Detroit's hard rock station. Ah, uh, I don't know. I, I drove through Detroit sometimes. <laughs> and we, we get Detroit radio out here. I think Anyway, so they get in there, and they tell Masterson that they've got his money, but uh, it turns out that Headmaster Masterson, who is now just calling himself Headmaster, is just going to destroy the city anyway, even once he has the money, somehow getting out before it explodes. Just, you know, for the lulls. I don't think he thought this through. No. <laughs> no? I mean, Not really. say what you will about the American military, I don't think they're going to hire him after he's killed everybody in the state of Michigan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you might think that that would count as a, a like, portfolio, but no. I mean, voters live there. Yeah. <laughs> are there any military bases there, though? Well, I mean, there, there will be voters. I mean, we, know the, we know there's a military base there, because uh, Lugnut and uh, Oakland landed there yeah. a couple episodes ago. I mean, there won't be any voters there after they blow it up. Well, this is true. I guess there'll be a diaspora. Plus, you know, uh, out-of-state uh, Michigan State fans. <gasps> oh, no. I was just thinking military-industrial complex-wise. Ohio's important because you've got that giant military base next to me. Hey, good job. Plus, the military, they probably use, like, they don't necessarily, like, something doesn't make, like, war robots. But I bet that the future military has, like, robots doing the kitchen patrol and uh, like cleaning stuff and probably making, like, they're robots that make military equipment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, they probably wouldn't be thrilled about 
and not to, not to mention that there'll probably be a giant radioactive crater in the heartland of America. Because I'm not exactly, you know, again, miniature sun. Yeah, well, you're going to need robots to patrol the radioactive wasteland borders, maybe? <laughs> I mean, if you're only taking out the Upper Peninsula and Detroit and Cleveland and Akron, who's going to notice? <laughs> oh, man, and in Cleveland, that, that explosion could set fire to the uh, the river again. Well, so oh, could someone yeah. smoking and improperly disposing of their cigarettes, so... Well, this is true. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he, he sets the plate overload and opens the trailer up to see his money, and instead it's just full of Bulkhead's head. Yay! Which jumps out and bites him. Angry head. Yeah, somehow this head is self-propelled. Yeah, I, I, well, I guess. I guess he's got a really strong neck. I guess. <laughs> Again, repeat to yourself, it's just a show. I should really just relax. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the most relevant episode for that quote. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Headmaster has upgraded his suit's uh, arsenal. It fires a bunch of grenades out of its forehead. Bunch of rockets out of the side of its head. There's a big fight. There's lots of saying of noob and ownage and other <laughs> things. And it's, it's a pretty corn dog fight, tells me that Bakugan is next. Got <laughs> <laughs> the the tops. Yeah. Actually, uh, at at the end, again, I've been watching these on daily motion because I can't be bothered to access physical media. Uh, actually, I just installed a DVD drive in my computer. It was very exciting finding it in my parts closet. Uh, <laughs> a SATA DVD drive. Anyway, but uh the end of the episode, so all of these are hub uploads on Daily Motion. And at the end, the, oh. the little thing they had in the corner, like some commercial edit thing, was from uh, whatever G.I. Joe show. They they were doing at the time on the hub. Uh, and, yeah, Sigma Six. It, no, it wasn't Sigma Six. And one of the characters on that was just Headmaster's voice actor doing. Oh wow! A very similar voice. Huh. I guess there was some techie nerd guy in Cobra in uh, in that show who had the same voice. Destro, summon the IT Vipers. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That would be great. I want that job. Would you really want to be tech support for Cobra Commander? Uh, okay, fine. Uh, yeah, it might be too stressful a job. IT Viper, go debug Serpento's hard drive. But be careful, the last guy got a snake through the torso. He went into a coma. <laughs> Damn it. You've been going at that coma. Uh, Headmaster does a lot of bad things in this episode, but the, the thing that got me the most riled up was when he says, what's more fun than getting new toys? Breaking them? No. <laughs> no, it is not. Not even Sid in Toy Story was that evil. He was at least creative. <laughs> this is not Hasbro approved. 
<laughs> I don't know. If you break it, then you might have to buy another one, and I'm not sure. Hmm. So, yeah, they, they during this fight, they accidentally smashed the controls, so now they can't stop this from overloading. Uh, Masterson decides to uh, he decides to run away, rockets the head off Bulkhead's body, but Bulkhead uses Prime's grapplers to turn into a makeshift wrecking ball. <laughs> yes, he just grabs it in his mouth, and Prime spins him around and throws him. Yeah, early, earlier he was one with his art, now he's become one with his wrecking ball. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of a great line from earlier in the episode where Bumblebee accidentally caught the art on fire. <laughs> yes. Where's the fire extinguisher? Attach the prime! <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, all this going on, the humans are trying to, uh, are trying to get to, I guess, another set of controls. Uh, at some point, Fanzone smashes a control panel like he's the Hulk. Yes, and that makes yeah, the... well, he has a way with machines. That makes the bridge turn. Yes. He is large in this episode. Which is a very video game puzzle. Yeah, this is this is a very, like, Bond movie power plant. Yes. And you got giant pits, you got a bunch of lone control rods. You have an impending time limit that is really... About to go off, but it doesn't seem that fast because you don't know how much time you have. No, I mean, it's like later, it's screen. 30 seconds closer to exploding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like the episode of Dragon Ball Z where the, at the start, the planet was going to blow up in five minutes and at the end of the episode, it's still not blown up. <laughs> this is why you don't give time limits unless you're going to stick to them. Also, what the hell, Dragon Ball Z? What the hell? <laughs> See, we're moving so fast, it... I could understand if that was just for, like, one episode that was supposed to be five minutes, but no, that was, like, two or three episodes. Yeah, it, I have so. the opinion that Dragon Ball, the abridged series, is the canonical version. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. I mean, basically, I saw it up watched an episode of Dragon Ball Z. I was like... So at the beginning of the episode, there's this fight, and at the by the end of the episode, they're still fighting. <laughs> and that just blew my mind. Not in a good way. Like, you know, what the, how, how did someone let this happen? Anyway, so Masterson gets knocked out of midair. A bulkhead, or sorry, uses her key to connect Bulkhead's head back to his body, but unfortunately they put it on backwards. Yeah. Probably because instead of, like, carefully fitting it on, they kind of bowl it towards it. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't help. I, you you kind of have to assume that Sari does that, because you don't see her sticking her key into his body. Yeah. You just see I, his head rolling towards his body, his neck glows, he gets stuck back like together. Like the Matrix. Then there's like, a close-up cut of Sari... Like, so you have to assume she did stuff, but... Yeah. Like, I just, I heard the touch playing as his head <laughs> his body. It was that kind of light yeah. show. You got the touch. Dun, dun, no. Dun. Sorry, I can't help um, it. We can't pay for those royalties. Uh, headmaster transforms his head into a little robot and pieces out. Yep. Yes. It's a pretty cute little robot. It is. 
It doesn't really have his build, though. It's very stumpy. I mean, uh, it's kind of like halfway between the headmaster head and Henry Masterson in the headmaster suit to control the headmaster head. Yeah, Yeah. it's got a bunch of big H's on it. (laughs) Yes. I guess kind of like how Galactus had a big G on his uh, chest in his first appearance. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have I mean, he understands the importance of hashtag branding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, if this episode had been made today, he would be hashtag everything. Oh, oh. my God. No. Yeah, he would, and thank God it wasn't. And ah. probably Total Orange would have been replaced with YOLO. <laughs> oh, God, and he would have been so obsessed with know. ethics and games journalism. Uh, oh. YOLO is more of like a, I don't know. Non- yeah, Yellow's a little dated at this point. That's like it's five just, years ago. I'm gonna say that that's more like a party people kind of thing, not like a nerd thing. Yeah, true. Yeah, this this guy's not Instagramming his meals. Yeah, Probably I want to say be a hot pocket every day. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I no, want to say Yolo's no. He is the definitely the type who he'd be complaining about the s juice. The word cuck is definitely in this guy's vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but he's he's left the episode, and that is the last we'll be seeing of him this season. So he has successfully escaped. Uh, oh, because no. they still have to... So, yeah, this they can't stop this meltdown. The only way to get in there is to actually send a guy in there, like Spock, at the end of Wrath of Khan. Yes. And... Optimus being Optimus volunteers. It's like, because, I'll do it. Listen, I've, I've died once. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> Let's give it another go. But Bulkhead is going to save the day. Recalling a earlier in the episode when Ratchet was disdainful of his art, saying that, you know, art never saved anybody. Clearly ignoring the uh, time when last night a DJ saved my life. <laughs> and so Bulkhead is going to save the day with... An impromptu sculpture, which then Sari brings to life with the key. So, how do they, like, how do they know that she hasn't, like, actively, actually given this thing life? That's, that's the thing. This is a robot born to die in this instant. It's a regular Lana Del Rey. <laughs> they, they have to assemble because Bulkhead can't put it back together or build it himself because his head's on backwards and he can't manipulate his arms that well. So everybody works together to build a robot to go inside and it melts and gives its life inside the reactor. Creator, why was I created to feel pain? Yeah, yeah. it's so sad. And I mean, admittedly, apart from <sighs> walking its apparent own, it doesn't show any signs of sentience, but... No, Come on. But like, I mean, that toilet didn't become sentient in the last episode. But the Dinobots. No, no. I mean, the Dinobots were sort of made with Cybertronian technology, whereas this is made with random crap. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> there's that. Even if, it, even if you discount that, there's kind of a Mr. Meeseeks factor here. Oh. <laughs> it has fulfilled its function. <laughs> yes, but... but. Okay, that, it, it fulfills its function and that, that's good, but then they take its half-melted corpse and put it in a museum. <laughs> His name was Art all along. <laughs> Art was a guy. 
and all I can think of is the Terminator giving the thumbs up at the end of Terminator 2. Yes. Same. But if you dropped Arnie in at the middle of the art center. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, th- th- then you'd have to destroy the chips and can't do that. But no, th- this robot couldn't even do that. Its thumbs had melted off. <sighs> Poor art. So yeah, it's in there. That melted TV is in there. Yeah, we go back to the... Uh, we cut to Bulkhead's big exhibition. His head is now on correctly. A bunch of people there, which is nice. You know, come yeah. see the crazy alien robot art. <laughs> and, and the, 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 the dot like matrix the Autobot work is also the Autobot art. <laughs> yes. The dot matrix uh, art. Oh, yeah, yeah. Prime Prime likes that one. I, I have a problem with the art display. Like, the giant sculpture and... Uh, others of Bulkhead, like, is art is in there, but there's other paintings behind the robot, and like, they don't look like the stuff Bulkhead was painting. They're, they're like landscapes and portraits. Well, maybe that's the art that was already on display there. Bulkhead had some time to do other art. But that's not how you yeah. organize a museum. They're, they're not even, like, they're not in the, the, the same <laughs> genre from the same time period. For the, th- this was supposed to be a show for Bulkhead. Why is it mixed in with other people's artwork? This, this is a horribly run museum. I mean, it's, it's, it's like gallery, it's not like it's like a, it could be like a commercial art gallery, and they're selling this stuff. Yeah, yeah, but you you don't want to mix it that like it, uh, it's it's too much of a clash. That's not how you set up the stuff. <laughs> I mean, maybe if it was all by the same artist, but no, you you at least segregate it to different sections of the room. Not like giant robot sculpture in front of classic like Norman Rockwell painters. <laughs> and uh yeah, that is Headmaster. This is a very silly episode. Yes, it silly, is. Silly and I like how silly it is, but I wish they had done a better job animating it. Yeah, the end is not Yeah, great. a little bit it's serviceable, the fight scene bits are okay. I mean, I, I, there's, yeah. I, I think the action bits are mostly okay. Yeah. It's when it's not action that it seems to collapse back into subpar animation. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they metered out their budget according to priorities. Yeah. Animation budgets all weird discussions. <laughs> Planning committees. All about planning committees. Yeah, it's a fun enough episode. We're going to see Headmaster again a couple times, and he is kind of a very, like, Bob Budiansky Marvel Comics villain. Yeah. He's fun. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how well the Elite Speak stuff has aged, and judging by this one, it seems kind of not aged well, but in a way that's still amusing, but... I'm looking yes. forward to seeing yeah. his future appearances. And uh, so we'll be back uh, next time. We'll be back in a week's time. But until then, uh, you can find us all over the Internet. We are on uh, Twitter. We are on Tumblr. And we're on Facebook. And we are hosted by IaconUnderground.net, uh, where us and our weekly news show, Iacon Underground Radio, are hosted. We have a Patreon set up to help us uh, with equipment upgrades and hosting costs and all that fun kind of stuff. Uh, that is at patreon.com slash Underground. 
And very, very soon, possibly by the time this posted or shortly after, we will have a our first Patreon exclusive episode. Uh, so yeah, that'll check out be at some point <sighs> within the month. Let's, let's say that before the month is up, our first Patreon episode will be. And Dan, yes. what are we going to be talking about on this uh, this Patreon episode? We're going to be talking about something that didn't even really have any robots at all. Uh, no. There's a robot head at the end. Yeah. I that's fair. And there are sex robots. <laughs> I guess there's are, the are robots yet. are cyborgs. I'm not really sure. What Anywho, <laughs> we're going to be talking Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Yes. And Rob will be telling us all kinds of exciting things about who that guy was. I will indeed. <laughs> and anyway, and you can find uh, st- you can find Stasis Pod where you uh, prefer to get your podcasts, whether via iTunes or Google Play. Wherever you do, please rate and review us. And uh, if you can't get enough of me, then uh, tune into the Alphabet Flight, a, a podcast that examines entry by entry the '80s Marvel handbooks. Uh, I'm on Dread Dreadnought. Jessica Drew and Despair. And, and how how is Despair spelled again? <laughs> D apostrophe S P A Y R E because Chris Claremont. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's oh, the most Claremont. Oh, uh, Chris Claremont. I know more about your sex life than I want to. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, please. So anyway, noobs, join us next time for Nature Calls, where we're going to use the word space barnacles an awful lot. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, side note, we're coming up on our 100th episode, well, 100th official episode. We actually passed 100 episodes counting all the bonus episodes a couple months ago. Write us some damn emails or tweets or something. Yeah, say happy That's birthday. Right. Right, yes. into the, right into the Maximil bag at... Uh, stasispodcast at gmail.com Seriously, if you're selling penis enlargement pills, we'll still probably read it. That's right. Uh, I, I should read stuff from my folder. It's, uh, it gets pretty good sometimes. Nigerian Prince, give us a, give us a call. <laughs> uh, but until then, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. I'm David.
Okay. Uh, does anyone need a break before we uh, get into Guard of the Galaxy? Uh, I should go. Uh, I at least want to stop and restart recording, so yeah, I think okay. we can. Uh, did we get any short email? No, we've just got any mentions of our tweets. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Bob, how are you? Hey, my name is Olga. 